It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor, with Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal, Rick Broering of Musketeer Report. Well, fellas, here we are, one day before the national championship game, or probably as you're listening to this, it's the day of the national championship game, and we've come down to Virginia, which none of us believed in from the beginning, and Texas Tech, which... Um, seemed like a team somewhat similar to Virginia as we rolled along, and yet here they are. So what do we make of that, uh, fellas? I, I mean, all I can say is I studied every second of both of those games yesterday, and uh, the better team won both times. Yeah, it's a team with the most points won. I do know that for a fact. I mean, what, what do we make of this? Is, is, here we are. It's not what any of us expected. Nope. Um, it's not going to be pretty. Nope. But the, it's two good teams. I mean, yes, they've, both yeah. been, they've both been really good. The one thing that I just – I've seen, and maybe it's because I watched Xavier this year all year, covered them, be a team that wasn't well put together and didn't have pieces that fit well together. Like, it gave me so much appreciation watching these two teams, I think, for how well all the pieces fit together, and Texas Tech especially, because Virginia, it's like, well, they got a bunch of pretty highly rated dudes and uh, guys who you knew could play. Texas Tech has... Like the Mooney kid. The island is, of misfit toys. Yeah, like he's perfect for them. Tarek Owens is exactly what they need inside. Uh, they just all fit together, and then they've got a superstar who makes everybody else better in Jarrett Culver. So, I mean, I, I think it's going to be – I mean, it's interesting that both these teams got here playing that slow-down defensive style. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast. Um, but I think you've also seen, like, Virginia has changed some things to get to that point this year after flaming out last year in the first round. In Texas Tech, it feels like they, they do suffocate you enough to where they hit you with one run of 10-2, to 14-2, whatever yeah. it is, and you're down 10, and it feels like you're chasing 20, and you never catch up. I mean, the Gonzaga game, it felt like Gonzaga had control for a long time of that game. And suddenly you looked up, and Texas Tech's up by enough to where, holy cow, you better make this possession worth it. And when you didn't, they would go down and make you pay, and you never felt like you could get your breath back. And either with Gonzaga or even last night, Michigan State never felt like it could get its breath back. I mean, that's how those, if you're going to be that dominant defensive team, that's how you have but to. But you got to hit somebody with a run. And sometimes those that's what I'm saying. do that. That's what I'm saying. But if you're going to get to this level as a dominant defensive team, that's how you do it. Right. Because you do get those periods where if you get up eight, it does feel like it's 16. And, and it does feel like, how are we going to come back on these guys? Because, because they're, they're good. sitting down and taking away everything we want right. to do. And they're good enough offensively that all it takes is one open guy to make another three. And you're like, dang, gone. We just had a great trip and didn't score. Right. Well, they didn't have a great trip and made a shot. And now I'm down 11. Well, you, it's eight. And then you cut it to six. And then bang, now yeah. it's nine. And, and, and you're just you, you're swimming upstream. And there's nothing you can do, it feels like, to catch up. And even you know, Michigan State cut it to one. And went on that run, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's back to six or seven. Right. And they, they just squashed it. And we've been saying this for a couple of weeks, but, I mean, they were playing really well at the end of the season. The first two weeks of the tournament, you walked out thinking, that team's playing better than anybody. And I think they're playing better than Virginia right now. It's tough for me because I look at the two st- the styles, and they're similar in a lot of ways. They do some things different right. offensively, right. for sure. But... It feels like Virginia has got the better talent and they're better at playing the style than Texas Tech is. Yet, like Chad said, I mean, the the way I've watched them the last few weeks, even as good as Virginia's been, I feel like Texas Tech is playing better than anyone else. And the one thing about Chris Beard that I didn't fully appreciate during the season, and 
We've talked about before about like how we said Virginia, their style doesn't win well and stuff like that. Well, I think you've heard, you listen to Bennett talk this year and you hear him say things like, I'm letting my players do, I realized I've got to let my players make plays. You know, I've got to turn some of it over to them. He's he's micromanaged a little bit less. Beard, I felt like did that a lot earlier in the season. But one thing I didn't realize that he is great at is in-game X and O's, the call he makes from the sideline where he sees like, Hey, this match matchup is working for us, and then he just calls a quick action, like sprint into the screen and right. slip it, you know, whatever, and it just messes them up. But it sets up Culver for a wide open three at the top of the key when they need it, and and it's the dagger of the game, like little stuff that he calls out from the sideline. I just think he is excellent at knowing his team, knowing what's going well for them, who's sort of hot, and then picking out matchups to be like, hey, we can exploit this on this possession right now because they just subbed, and he seems he seems to nail it whenever they need it most. I've been really impressed with his in game coaching. Yeah, you like his feel. His feel is phenomenal. <laughs> well, it, it is funny though too, but but Virginia is a team that accomplished a lot in a regular season. Um, is a one. They always seed, do right, but is a one seed. They it, always are right, but but here they are in the championship game after all the stuff that that we didn't think they could do. You know the fact of what happened to them last year, and it always felt like you're just not going to accomplish this. The fact that they were beat last night with ten seconds left. Yeah, and, it, yeah, and they were beat yeah, the week before with ten seconds we're, left. We're going to get to that part of it, and, and when you win a tournament, sometimes that has to happen. You have to find a way and get lucky and get they a had, break. They had a ninety-five percent loss probability with ten seconds left in each of the last two games. Right, yep. but and so, they're in the championship. But they are also a one seed that has survived, and yeah. they are talented and all those things. I agree that Texas Tech has, has played better in the tournament. I mean, go back to even the first game of the tournament. I remember I was I was up in Columbus doing a high school game, and I look up at the first score, and they're down 23-11. I thought, they're not going to – this is not going to happen to Virginia again, is it? Then I looked again, it was 25-11. I went, maybe it is going to happen to Virginia again. And obviously they turned that around and won by – almost actually covered, I think, a 20-point spread. Well, you guys said that this was a Texas Tech team that Northern could beat. I, I did. I, I, I honestly thought it was a good matchup. I thought it was a you know as good a matchup of a three-seed as you were going to get for yeah. NKU. And the same I'm thing just, in that game. No, I know you are. Busting your no, no, Yeah, yeah. But NKU even in that game, they hung around, hung around, and suddenly Texas Tech won like a 12 They're up 16. 12 yeah. run, 16, and you're not coming back. You're just not. Yeah, I still feel like we nailed Texas Tech from the beginning of this tournament because we said it's like they slow it down, so they'll give NKU a chance. And if you're NKU, you want to be in the game at halftime and then hope a miracle happens in the second half. They were in the game. The miracle didn't happen. That's expected. We also said Texas Tech is a Final Four caliber team, right. and they have been. That, like Everything we said about Texas Tech, I feel like, is true. They've they've played the way we expected them to play, and Northern gave them one of their best games for 20 and, minutes. And we thought Derek Culver was, or Jared Culver Culver's, was really, yeah, really, yeah, really no good, and he's been better than that. Yeah, he's, yeah. The thing that's crazy about him, though, is, I mean, he's scored some points, certainly, but even like everything. last night's game, he makes everyone else so much better. He's, I mean, he's not Draymond Green, but he kind of does, like, he, he rebounds so well. He passes at an elite level. He handles the... Like, he could play point... He's almost can, their point guard right now. Can make a shot. He's playing point guard in the NBA. Yeah. He can guard one through five. Like, he does everything and makes everyone else so much better that I think he's going to be the type of guy that he doesn't wow you, but he has a long NBA career on winning teams where he well, just yeah. helps teams win. That's the thing. You might, like, because of how he's playing now, he's probably going to go to a bad team and spend three or four years on a bad team, and then he's going to pop up and sign a free agent deal... With a good team, where he's the fourth guy, where he's the fourth yeah, guy, but yeah. we're talking about him in the in the conference finals. Like, my God, that dude! Remember him when he took Texas Tech to the Final Four? By the Look way, at him now. They list him at like six six. Does is it just me or does he seem 
I mean, maybe it's just his length, but he seems yeah, much bigger than length. 6'6". Yeah, I, I, I've seen him listed at 6'8", but I've seen the most of the listing at 6'6", but he does look longer I than I mean, you that. see him going in rebound, yeah. you see him to finish. It's like, he seems so long and so tall at times. All right, so nationally, how does Texas Tech-Virginia play on a national scale? Obviously, oh, people love the Blue terrible. Bloods, but, but the tournament itself has been really good because we've had good games. Well, the, the last two weekends have been yes. really good. The first weekend was dreadful. Yeah, the first two days were dreadful. The weekend wasn't awful. But yeah, the first two days were, weren't very good. But we've had really good games since the Sweet 16. Yeah, but it's Texas Tech and Virginia. Like, people aren't going out of their way See, I like to new, make it. I do like new blood. I do too. But, I love new but, blood. But nationally, people aren't going I out know. of their way to watch that tomorrow night. Yeah. And nobody has their bracket left, right? Other than the one, there's one guy out of a thousand that's got his bracket. And, and now he's going to crow over the rest of you. And you're going to go, dude, you got lucky. Good luck to you. Take your $230 and go, go oh, buy some beers. Oh, by the way, my dad. He's got Texas Tech? No, he drew Auburn in his Oh, in a blind pool? In a blind oh. pool. It would have been 200 if they made the championship game, 350 if they won the championship. Didn't happen. And he was sitting on the couch last night at my house. I had a bunch of people over. Sitting on the couch last night at my house. I watched those last 10 seconds with him. And Did he jump up like the crazy Auburn fans thinking they had won when the shot missed? He said some bad words. Okay, yeah. Right, let's talk about the, 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 the calls, and that's kind of been the storyline of, of that Virginia-Auburn game. Um, start first with the double dribble because it occurred first. I'll be honest, as it happened in real time, didn't even think about it. And I know the rule. I know the rule well. Didn't even think who hit it, why he hit it. Even if it was just chaos. But even if he would bounced it off his foot, I, wouldn't, I didn't even put the two and two together that he bounced it off his foot, picked it up, and, and dribbled it again. And I, and I get that's a human thing. So I'm going to tell you, just in real time, had, didn't even think about it. I know the rule, so it's not that I don't know. I know the rule. I just didn't think about it in real time. The thing is, though, is it a case where at least one of them has to see that? That's what I think. Yeah, and, and I I mean, like, I don't know what you can do about it. They didn't, so there's there's no... It's not like a play, like, I don't think you can... There's a way you can be like, oh, that needs to be reviewable or anything. That's just a play where they, they, had to, they have to see it. They missed it. They didn't. I will say, I, I didn't really catch that that happened. I caught the reaction to it like Auburn's players kind of looked for a second like what was that like what like yeah. they stopped for a second it seemed like and that made me go wait did he travel there or did he double dri- what just happened so I didn't know it was a double dribble initially but I was like they thought he something, did something was off yeah they thought something happened there other part here's, here's my other thing yeah, okay they messed up by fouling yeah well, I was gonna say that I this is gonna sound so awful Players a lot of times at the end of games are so unaware. Even well, they're told they're they're right, told go right, foul. Right, we I, have one to give. Yes, foul. but at some point you have to realize. Wait a minute, he just cost himself four or five seconds. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to let him heave a desperate because he was a dribble from shooting desperation heat. shot. I know. Then if he banks in the desperation shot, you're like, dude, why didn't you foul? But there feels like there's just not a self awareness at times for players. Yeah, you can't give them a set play. Correct, and that's, that's one point five seconds left. I think it's a tough situation to put players in too. It's it's why like end of the game situations when people say you should foul, you know, up three and put guys at the line. Like, well, sometimes when you tell them to do that, they go and foul a shooter. Yeah, you I, know, and it's like you're right. The awareness is terrible in that situation, but it's still a tough situation to put your players in. I think when you're telling them they have to foul. I mean, but it's also you're playing the percentages. You're doing what a coach, a head coach, should be doing is letting them know what to do. Oh, but, sure. But on the fly. A guy has to be able to, to look at that and go, they're, they're scrambling now. Fouling them is going to bail them out and give them a set play with 1.5 seconds left. And especially left. where you fouled him. I mean, you fouled yeah. him across midcourt in a spot yeah. where they had an easy inbound. Not an yeah. easy, but at least a, but a doable inbound. But they had an inbound. angle for right yes. where they threw the ball. Yes. Yeah, you had a doable inbounds play, though. So, 
Yeah, I, I just there's just a self awareness at times of just figure it out for yourself, for goodness sakes. And you're right, it is. Some of it is the micromanaging. And I'm not blaming Bruce Pearl because I would have said in the timeout, foul. We've no, got a foul to give. Yeah. Go ahead and give the foul. And I think he's one, one of the coaches who does it least of right. anybody in terms of in-game, like being point A to point B type of coach. But like a lot of guys are like that. And I think players are sort of programmed to just listen to what they're told. And a, the, the end result of that is a lack of awareness, I think. All right, so during a timeout, we, we do have replays for, for balls out of bounds in, in, in at the end of college basketball games, um, who hit the ball, who didn't hit the ball. Could you, in that circumstance, and I'm not here I tell you I want to get to this because you know my stance on replay. NFL replay. Yeah. I hate it, and I, I would hate it here. But if we're going to use replay in some way, shape, or form, which we're using in college basketball in certain circumstances, on a cut-and-dried call like the double dribble, which you had time to review because there was a timeout because of the situation of they want to take the time out to run their set play on the sideline. Should we get to the point of if it is reviewable and maybe there's a panel of three or five or seven in New York or wherever you want to put them that say, Ooh, wait a minute. They missed this. We are going to have to go back and overrule it. Isn't, would you would you be good with that? Isn't this the exact thing you argue against with I, the NFL? No, no I, mean, I, I, I don't want I'm just asking you. I'm going to throw it out as a, as a panel question of do you think yeah. they should get to that point? I mean, I just I don't know. I think bad calls are just something you kind of have to live with. Chad, yeah, I don't I don't really like re- like and, and actually I don't even think like the CBS like Gene Steratore is there to catch that stuff. And I think he missed it live. Yeah, social media alerted him. They didn't go back to it until yeah, yeah, well yeah, after. Right. Correct. So, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things like you can't micromanage to that extent, I don't think, because then games will never end and there'll be no flow and there'll be no actual energy because it's just teams standing at their bench for four minutes at a time and they come back out and they play for 20 seconds and they go back to their bench for four minutes at a time i just don't like that that direction that things have kind of gone i mean do you like the idea of of determining on balls that are going out of bounds whose possession is are we okay with that yeah i'm I'm not like in the last minute i'm not i'm still not i just am so anti-replay it's absurd but i but on those even those, We've seen a lot he, of those overturned. But I'll be honest, yeah. there's been some in the term where I went, wait a minute, they, 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 I think that's the right call the way they called it. It looked like it did go off of Fred's hands, and all of a sudden it's no, it went off of Jim. Are uh, you sure about that? The problem with, I think the problem with that is, and this is kind of a, my perspective, perspective on it changed a little bit. When I was down in, um, or up in Columbus for the UC game, I sat right behind the replay monitor. And they were getting better angles on TV than what I saw the officials were getting. Oh, sure, of course. no question. I mean, so, you get blocked out by players. You get well, blocked just out. different, like like different yes. cameras, straight down. So uh, there was out. a play in that game that they were looking at it, and I was tweeting back and forth with people at home, and they're telling me what they're seeing, and I'm I'm looking at what the official is seeing, and I'm saying, well, I I know what they're seeing. Like, I know why their call is going to be the way it is because I see what they're seeing. What they're seeing, But yeah. people are telling me at home, no, there's another angle that, that shows something completely different. So, I mean, I, that part of it is is difficult. If you can't – if you're going to do it, then you need to have all the angles. You need to have all the – The TV the, Yeah, you need to have all the, the evidence that you need. And, like, you would think in those situations, it would be somebody in the production truck that has a whole truck full of – toys to play with to give you the best angles and literally it's just somebody sitting there with a little dial a little 
fast forward and yep. rewind dial. But, but, but Fred in the truck has the one team that had to go out of bounds on. He's got him getting three, so he doesn't like the call. So <laughs> hey, I don't got another angle for that, Jim. No, I, I see, I see nothing. Oh, no, we're good. Whatever you're seeing, you're, you're good. You're good with. You think the guy sitting there at the the, the chair with the little little yep. dial? Yep. He, he had him. He had him plus three. Yeah, exactly. So he's got, he's got his he's got his own agenda there. All right, let's get to the foul in the corner. Um, there's there's two there's a couple of layers to this. One. I, I don't want to speak for you guys. I, it was a foul. Based was on the foul. way the rule is, it was a foul. Okay, that part is right. Same I, as the, the Purdue one the weekend yes. before. It was a foul. I thought what Bruce Pearl said was right, though. If you're going to call it there, it, it, it does occur at other points in the game. Let's just get – just if you're going to call it there, which is fine. You didn't swallow your whistle. You didn't say, I'm not going to call it because it's the last .5 of a game. I'm great with that. I think that's gutsy to do that, right? But I guarantee you it occurred if, if, at – Three minutes to go or nine minutes to go. Let's just just give me some consistency level with all. I think I'm at the stage of officiating. My frustration is I don't see the same call with .5 to go that I saw with 19.53 to go in the first half. Or I don't see the same I call mean, that was called I at 19.53 I don't know that I agree with that. It, I've I seen don't. more fouls on three-pointers this year than I've ever seen. I, I'll, I'll just say, like, I think— I'm that, talking in general, not just those calls. I'm talking about just calls in general. But, but I mean, they're always going to miss calls. There's always going to be an argument. I, I think they did the right thing. My issue would have been had they swallowed the whistle and called it differently in the final seconds than they would otherwise throughout the game. I don't think they intentionally swallow their whistle on that type of call throughout the game. I think occasionally they might miss one or two. But um, that play, it was, it was obvious. I mean, it was a definite foul. Was, you had to call it. They, the thing about it is they just had such a great view of it because sure. they were... Totally well, isolated in the corner. There was like, no other action. That yeah, was that was the action. You could right. totally see what was going on, and he clearly bumped into. I mean, it was. You feel terrible for the kid because he tried not to foul him, and then he he couldn't resist from leaving his feet for a second and coming right underneath of him. At the, it's just really unfortunate. It was hard to watch, but it was the right call. I agree. I mean, it was. I don't. I don't know that I've seen that play officiated inconsistently. I've seen fouls on three pointers at a rate this year I've never seen before. And and it's because guys are doing more I, I guess, flying through the air to contest yes, three points. Right, so that, that gets to my next point. And this is this is just it's a me. I'm an old guy. I, I I know I'm I probably coach it wrong. I just I hate jumping at any jump shooter at any point. I just I don't I, I don't I, think I, that's I, wrong. I hate it. I, I, I freaking hate it. Just close out with a high hand and choppy feet. Because here's what happens. You jump at the guy, you might get one in fifty. We saw the kid at Texas Tech block the shot. It was a great block, and it was a key block. So I'm gonna Dude, you got you got away with it. You, you didn't. And then he stopped out of bounds and saved, saved the ball. And they didn't call it. Zion Williamson had a couple of times this year where he just blocked He's jump shots. An exception. With, agreed. I think the problem is even if you fly at a guy trying to block that shot, you don't get it ninety percent of the time. Maybe ninety five percent of the time, and then you take yourself completely out of rebound position. Or a guy, all he has to do is give you a simple ball fake, and I'm leaving my feet, and I'm going right around you. Just stop. I don't know. I honestly don't know how that's an old guy take or unique to you. I think every coach agrees with you. I, and then why I, do they do it? Well, I'm, again, that kid did not try. He was trying. To, he's he was, not the only he, kid. All of them do it. He had his hands up and was trying not to, and somehow he still got baited into jumping up and leaving his feet slightly. He didn't try to block the shot. He had his hands at the side. But he left his him. feet. Don't, leave, don't even leave your feet. I, Skinny, he made a mistake. I totally agree with you, but I don't think any coach is teaching that. It wasn't like he oh, went after a block. Maybe not, but all I see is kids, every time somebody shoots a jump shot here, they come flying through the air and flying out of bounds, and ball kicks back. Freddie gets it, one dribble dunk. Well, that was great. You did a great job there. You tried to contest the shot, and he went and dunked it on you. That was good defense, my friend. Yeah, Thanks, coach. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. I, a lot of guys play bad defense. I don't know yes, what to tell you about that. I don't, think, I don't think anyone um, encourages trying to contest jump shooters very often. Ooh, I mean, I see a lot of guys do it. I see a lot of guys leave their feet and try to contest jump shots. 
drives me crazy. I'm just saying. It drives me nuts. And that, that play drives me nuts. I don't blame you. I, I mean, I, don't, I think that play is the opposite of what you're talking about, though. I don't think he was trying to contest the three. I think he made a terrible mistake to to sort of it wasn't even a jump it was like a, no, it was a, a half, small hop yeah it was like a, well, uh, what he did was he left his feet went oh i shouldn't have done that what he uh, did is you're supposed to chop your feet when right. you close out and he hopped yeah and and but like the whole time he was clearly had his hands out of the side like chest out like i'm not going to go after the shot i'm not fouling him and he comes right underneath his feet which is like that's the problem is that's such an easy one to see because when they're coming down and you've invaded their space right the, the refs are so programmed to watch for that, especially this year. It was one of their points of emphasis. Yeah, and it was called a ton this year. Yeah, again, they were like, all over it. All right, let's get uh, move on to uh, to Mick Cronin. The latest on him, uh, Jamie Dixon. It, it, obviously, early last week, the, the reports were that it was down to Mick Cronin and Jamie Dixon. Mm-hmm. And part of the sticking point for Jamie Dixon was the buyout, his eight million dollar buyout. And then it seemed like it wasn't a sticking point, so they were going to hire Jamie Dixon. And then it became finally the ultimate sticking point, which then made it look like I right, fall back is Mick Cronin. And now it doesn't feel like it's Mick Cronin any longer. What what do you, what, what what's going on? I, I don't think if. I think that job is one that that you take as long as everything breaks right. But once they went after Jamie Dixon, I think if you're McCronin, that's the end of the the line for that job. Even if the money's right, yeah, because you're not you can't win in that situation. If you go out there and you're seen as a second choice already, like well, well, for either one of them, you're probably in theory for them, you were the eighth or ninth choice. That's for them. That's (laughs) the ignorance of these blue blood jobs to begin with. Is they all say well. We 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 tried Brad Stevens and we tried Billy Donovan and we tried Coach Cal and we tried. You're never were going to get any of those guys. Like they were not your first, second, and third choice. They were ne- all you're going to do is get them a raise. Right. right. They were never going to be the head coach. Jamie Dixon was basically choice one. Yeah. Well, for I mean, UCLA, I think uh, you know Tony Bennett was obviously the name that everyone was going to point. And then to they it, made the Final Four, and, and that wasn't going to happen. I mean, let's be honest. Like, if you, they flamed out early, I could have seen it happen. Maybe. I mean, you, you got to make an offer at him. You got. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, I could see Virginia if they lost. If they were a one seed and lost yeah, again in the second round for him, I think I could see Virginia and him deciding. See, ya. maybe we'll do something different. That's fair, of course. If you're UCLA at that point, can you see <laughs> yeah, that the, higher? Got right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's. I think that's okay. Tough. So Jamie Dixon was choice two. Well, behind I, I, behind. I, I, I think Tony the Bennett. more interesting one that we've heard, uh, it, you know, it hasn't been reported officially. I don't think, but it's been out there in circles. Is um, Painter? Like, I think Painter would have been a guy that I thought they would have had a good chance to get. They had Purdue had a really good year. Yeah, that one would have made sense to me. I think people would have been pretty excited about it if you were a UCLA fan. I don't think he's the best coach in the world, but it was the right time to make a run at a guy like that. But when, you know, you already had the Cal situation, which was what it was. I'm sure it was a lot of BS on Cal and his agent's part. Their master yeah, spinning the PR. I had a, a source that I've been talking to that, that is in L.A. that tried to spin me on, oh, no, he was serious. No, 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 he was he, he wants to retire out here. and da, da, da. I'm like, he was never taking your job. Come on. See, it's crazy to me that UCLA would have ever even let that offer like out. That, that yes. offer is so embarrassing. I don't know that UCLA did. But I would guess Cal did. Well, of course. But my point is they made the offer for yeah. him to report it. I mean, I'm assuming those aren't made up figures. Maybe they are. Maybe it's well, totally absurd. I think there were, there were some things in it that weren't fully... Like, I think it included a house in Malibu. Right, and I'm sure there were escalators if you made Elite Eight, Final Four. I don't think it was actually... It better include me having some production money in a Hollywood movie, for goodness sakes. <laughs> I mean, I needed something I don't more. think it was actually a pay cut, but you were going to have to go in well above. You're going to have to go in yeah. and give him a rate, like a significant raise. Yeah, if you came in 
offering Cal twelve million a year, then people would have been like, UCL ain't messing around. They right. didn't get him, but they're not messing around. Right. That's what you had to do to do this. And again, I assume they had to make some type of offer. Like I, I don't think all yeah. of it's completely made up. And I, I fully understand Cal and his PR team sure. are spinning this for no their doubt. own benefit, but something was offered and it clearly wasn't enough. I mean, that's just embarrassing. Yeah. The Dixon thing, I mean, I, I think if if you're if you're the other guy in that, like I just don't think you can continue on in that situation. And, and uh, because it, it took four days for that whole thing yes, to play out. To, to play out. Like you can't sit there and just well, here I am. I'm waiting, waiting for you to call me. Four days ago, you you picked Jamie Dixon. You still haven't signed him. Just give me. I, I just don't think you can continue to play that game with them at that point in time. I think it, you know you you say I've got to do what I've got to do, and it's not be your fallback plan after you know a, a ten day thereabouts. Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. There was a part during that Jamie Dixon stuff where I thought it, maybe this whole thing is BS. You know, maybe like maybe they were never really decided on Jamie Dixon. That got floated out there by someone who had one source and everyone just ran with it, became a national story to where reality or perception is reality at a certain point, right? Yeah. Everyone thinks Jamie Dixon's your guy. It is. But now at this point, they're clearly still just all over the place. Like Rick I, Barnes is Rick Barnes and Lon Kruger are the two names that popped up tonight. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping Lon Kruger before he decides to stop coaching makes ten coaching stops because he's on the path to do that. <laughs> Hopefully, he gets to ten different places. I mean, I just, I just think this is this has become a disaster, and it's pretty clear. Yeah, they did decide Jamie Dixon was their guy and couldn't afford his buyout. Well, I mean, I mean and Jamie Dixon made sense too because if he's he didn't from, have an from there, right, yeah, he's, he from have, West, yeah. he's from West Hollywood. He had a close friend on the search committee, like. Everything, you know, he, he has an affinity for UCLA. He grew up a Bruin fan. Like, everything pointed to. But I don't get how you I don't get how you leak it if you're not ready to pay the buyout. And, like, I, there's been a lot of people bring up that when TCU hired him from Pitt, he had an $8 million buyout at Pitt that they negotiated down to a $1 million. Yeah, Pitt wanted to get rid of him. That's the difference. Yeah, TCU, TCU was like, oh, no, 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 no. We, we're not. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, Pitt ran him out. Unless you give us our eight. And I actually heard it was 10. The buyout was actually 10 from what I've heard through different people. Um, but although it's private, you know, how that right. is, like the private university, all those records are sealed. Um, I've heard it was 10, and they thought they were going to get it down, and TCU just said, Hell no, which I a thousand percent agree with. I agree. Yeah, now, yeah. It, now it does make for an awkward, awkward arrangement now with him going back there. But I agree. That's I mean that's why you give him the money you gave him in his contract. Again, five million dollars. Yes. Part of the concession. Here's your buyout. Is your, that's your buyout. You want this? We'll give you that. You want that? We'll give you. I mean, it's I a yin and yang, and I don't blame. I don't blame them one iota. I'm glad they're doing it. Now again, it makes for awkward bedfellows. Yeah, but coaches leverage it all the time. Then right. come back and no, say no. like, oh no, it was just business. We're you know we're all good on terms now. Well, that's what I'd say if I was the administration. It was all business during contract negotiations. He's still our coach, and we love him. Yeah. No. Right. I, I Listen, we signed him to a contract because we're good at business. I would agree we, with that. We've been really good in the NIT two of the last three two years. Last yeah, three that's years. that's the thing about UCLA NIT like, championship. NIT Final Four and an NCAA tournament bid. I know. I know. UCLA for them, that's pretty good. TCU, that's good. But still, I mean, UCLA setting their sights on a guy who just right played in the NIT is like, man, that's that's just rough if you're a UCLA fan because I still think that's an incredible job. It's no doubt well, you're, top ten. You're still but, the premier institution on the West Coast, right? And Arizona's in like shambles, right? Like Arizona is the one team who'd kind of taken control of the West Coast, and now they're up in the air again. Three and, words. Three words. 
big baller brand. Huh? That's what ruined UCLA. Huh? Is that your take? Tore it down. No, no. Bring, Actually, go, go, go get it. Bring him. back go, Lamar. Go get it. Bring, bring back, back Lamar. Not the worst idea. Let Lamar coach I don't, it. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Skinny? It seems have. like it seems like the triple B is falling apart, though. Yeah, it does. Yes, Paul it does. Needs a lift. It, it does. It does need a lift. Well, here's the lift. Lonzo covered his tat up the other night during the game. He, did, he covered up to, his to big baller brand tat. Yeah. To no, he had a new tattoo. Oh, he, oh, I thought maybe he just got, got in. No, 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 no. He had a new tattoo done over it. You can't see the, oh, the triple Bs yeah, anymore. It's, fall, it's falling And he fired the manager. Yeah, not like, ideal. There's embezzlement. I mean, it's, it's not good. It's not going well right now. They, they got they got busted for sending Rick Ziljan sweatshirts. Yeah, I, I feel good yeah. about the fact that I got a sweatshirt yeah. now that I found out that most people who ordered those shoes still haven't gotten them. Collector's item, too. There's no doubt collectors out well, or, or the people that got them got one twelve and one 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 ten and a half. Yeah. Two different designs. <laughs> Can you imagine the production company. Hey, just grab whatever. Two two lefts are good. I think you'll take two lefts. Well, I, I really believe they were buying bootleg stuff off of eBay and yeah. reselling it. I really think that's what happened. I don't know if they ever made any big baller brand gear. I think they put the idea out there. Other people made fake stuff, and they resold it. Hey, send him two left shoes, because you know what he's going to need to do? He's going to need to buy two right shoes. So let's go ahead and get him for that. I mean, that's what's been missing from this podcast. Two big years baller, ago, we were big baller brand. the premier big baller brand podcast, he, and, and there's been nothing to step he, up and fill the void. There, I'm just saying. Just, LeVar, and, LeVar at UCLA... Provided years worth of content because you know he can coach, right? You know he's gonna be he, he, uh, he, he can play. Ask him. He, yeah, he can play and he can coach. Yeah, I mean, he averaged two and a half points a game. In no, college. no question. And there's, he's way smarter than any coach. Come and see me when they win it. Come and see me. Come and see me when they win it. That's for sure. All right. So where does Mick Cronin go next? Back to Clifton? Yeah. I mean, if if he was trying to leave, he would be at Arkansas or Virginia Tech or Alabama or Vanderbilt, like. UCLA was UCLA. Like I said, the only other thing I've heard is a maybe is he would listen if, if LSU called. But I don't think even from what I've heard of that isn't on par with what I heard of if UCLA called. All right. Now, now we will agree with this part of it, right? UC can only get to so much financially with Mick yeah. Cronin. I mean, like, that's just the bottom line, bare facts. It's I don't, I, I've said this, Rick and I have talked. I, I don't think this is UC knowing it has a, a ton more money. Trying to shortchange him, I think it's them going, dude. I, I, this is why. I, now, look, could you have gone to him and said, "Listen, dude, I don't got much. I can give you an extra two hundred grand." I, and, and maybe that's where Mike Bone could have gone to Mick and said, "Listen, I believe in you. I, this is what I can give you." So, knowing that they can't give him significantly more money, and they can't, so what can they do to maybe appease him to make it make it I mean, right? Then or, you do more years, or you you know you find other ways. If make him coach for life. One team just did that. You have to be creative. If I mean that's that's the the gist of it, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna be financially strapped and you're not gonna be and you're gonna acknowledge that you can't make that jump, it, you don't have a, a for Tita, for Tata, whatever the hell his name is at Houston, right? Uh, that that's gonna pony up for Kelvin Sampson. pony up for Kelvin Sampson. You don't have the 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 brothers at Wichita State that made. Greg Marshall at three and a half million dollar a year coach. You ain't got the FedEx money in Memphis. Yeah. So if you're that, then okay. Then you have to make some concessions to say this is how we're going to get you to where we we need. You know what we want to do to right. keep you. So, so let's say that they 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 do that. Let's say they want to throw out just a crazy mega number of years, whatever that is. And it I don't even think it has to be a crazy mega number. Well, yeah, I'm not talking twelve, and I'm not talking lifetime, and I'm not talking fifteen. Six or seven. Okay. Instead of four. So does he accept that and does he stay through that or does he keep getting wooed as we keep going through the process? He's gonna keep getting wooed because he's the head coach at Cincinnati. 
As long as he continues to have success. Some yes. success. Okay. Th- that's, that's how this process works. Cincinnati has seen it in football. They've just been lucky enough in basketball that the last two coaches weren't looking to leave. So that's where they're at. Like I, I had somebody on the, on the message board the other day yelling at me because Mick's name comes up every year. I said, well, that's going to happen. The only two times that we have any proof, any knowledge that he actually reciprocated was UNLV and then this year UCLA. that he talked to UCLA. Like we don't have, he didn't go out there. He didn't tour the campus. He didn't, you know, meet like he did do that with UCLA. He went out and he met with the athletic director, which was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. The athletic director was contacting the local media sitting in meetings. With the people U- they UNLV. were interviewing. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was a wild deal. Yeah, you said UCLA, but yeah. UNLV, I mean, UNLV yeah. yeah. The UNLV deal, would like all of a sudden somebody in the, the the Vegas media would be like, she's in a meeting right now with Mick Cronin that's been going on for an hour and 54 minutes. She was literally sitting there like, yeah, been in, in here with Mick since one. It's almost three. Like, that was a wild deal. But that, those are the only two that he's ever actually engaged with. And... Here's what I, here's another thing I don't think people have really put two and two together on. After the UNLV thing, he got a four year extension, right? Didn't get a raise. So right. He hasn't had a raise for six right. or seven years. So so then if you're him, let's just say there isn't there's there's a there's an extension on the table for a little bit more money. Do you sign it? If the years are right, if the if the terms are right, yeah. I don't know that if it's if it's for under market value and only four years, that's tough to sign, isn't it? I don't disagree. I'm just I'm asking what what do you think? I, I mean, I probably I don't <laughs> I think at that point in time, if you say you can't go the extra years and you don't want to do that, then we're gonna have to find a way to get a couple I mean, extra hundred thousand dollars. Right or wrong, Mike Bone's extension talk was very reactionary to the Mike DeCourcy story. They may have been talking before, but it was very the way he reacted to it was very reactionary, especially going to the Enquirer and saying that it was a hatchet job and all of those things. So now that maybe Mick doesn't have quite the leverage, because listen, when somebody else is a suitor, hey, I'm going to go try to get what I can get if I'm happy where I'm at and I want to try to stay there. I'm going to maximize the opportunity. Anybody that's in business, anybody that's ever done contract would stupid not to so now with the leverage somewhat going away does mike bone back off and go dude what's on the table is on the table sign it or go well i mean he already got the bump from that leverage right in theory because in theory it's offers like, have already been moved back and forth it, ain't ink to paper yet i mean does, does do you think as an athletic director you just go back to him and say i would hope just not kidding yeah i would hope just not. kidding on our counter offer i mean i certainly think if you've kind of made an offer and he wasn't ready to accept now you don't feel like you need to budge off that offer you probably think okay let's i mean if you want to keep yeah, playing but, this out because like supposedly but you don't send the offer though right but supposedly no. the ucla yeah. job if what chad's saying true ucla is ucla well if it keeps going past a few more weeks he starts showing interest in like if the lsu job comes open and stuff well then it's not ucla it was ucla it's he's still either playing hardball with negotiations or he wants to leave but again if that was the case he would be at Alabama or he would be at Arkansas or he well, would you be said, at Virginia Tech but you said he didn't he wouldn't go to a lot of those places right but if no, it was about getting out yeah I think that's his point if it was about not being not happy, just the, not just the UCLA job being yeah, the UCLA if job. it was if it was about leaving UC he would be at one of those like Whit Babcock would have walked here and given him a piggy ride back to Blacksburg yeah but you said he would never live in Blacksburg Correct. Okay. Well, I mean, that's... But if you're trying to get out, then you do what you have to do to get out, right? Well, I mean, I don't know that he has to get out, but I just think from his, from we're talking about leverage standpoint, I think 
now that the UCLA job isn't on the table for him, I think the leverage has changed. I mean, we don't know that. Yeah, yeah, and we don't know. I mean, it may be another week comes about, and they've continued to look around and come back and come to Mick Cronin. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, you guys are the ones saying that. I don't, I don't know if the UCLA we're speculating. I mean, I'm not reporting anything. There's yeah, been no, nothing no. to report. It's been quiet. No, it just would have felt that if if you had your two candidates right and the one you can't get, then the next day it's I right, dude, you're our guy. Right? I mean, that, that you would think. I think the problem with that is, though, like I said, it it took four days. Yeah, right. Well, I, I again, I all this is fluid. I get that. I'm just saying. But if you're UCLA, yeah, and your one guy realized on a Friday night, which we found out at whatever time that was, seven o'clock, that basically they can't come to this agreement, then you go, all right, dude, you're our guy. Now, again, they could have done that over the weekend. Mix it. I'll stew on it. Let's wait till the championship game's over, and we'll decide then. Well, no. you just, you just wonder how much of them, or even if they didn't make it public, the fact that it got out public that Jamie Dixon was their guy cost them their shot with Mick. Maybe. I mean, if they, exactly if, right. I think that's if very they, possible. If they wanted to go to Dixon first but still wanted Mick as an option, it, they didn't want it to come out that it was Dixon because we know Mick's nope. ego would not nope. like and, the and fact I don't that blame he's... Him. No one would like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't blame him in that case at all. I mean, it's, it's one thing. Oh, Watson's the one that's desperately wanting this. He's still a, hey, UCLA, whatever you do, I don't mean, don't rush no into this. Chance. Oh, I know, but I just love the way he reacted. Well, they can't because he didn't have his yeah, degree, right. so no they chance. can't hire him. But, but just, His reaction was great. But, like, you can... If, if if they're going after Brad Stevens and Cal and whatever, you can be the guy after that. But Mick and Jamie Dixon are on pretty equal levels. Like, they're right at the same, about the same tier of coach. So, you can't, I just don't see the way you can let that play out for 72 hours right. and then and then have them come back to you groveling and you just jump. I, personally, opinion Strictly, yes. I I just don't see I don't see Mick, you know, playing that game. I agree. Uh, let's move to John Brandon because um, he's at that next level for him. Possibly, it felt like something was going to shake out eventually where John was going to get mentioned for jobs and 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 maybe eventually get one. And time may tell that that's the case. But as we sit here today, well, I guess what percentage chance do you think he's back as NKU's coach, Rick? Pretty I mean, high. I I don't know that I'd say pretty high because I still feel like this is a, a really good time for him. They made the NCAA tournament two of the last three years. That if a job comes open that works, there's still some ripple effects out there that could happen. I mean, we're not done with the coaching carousel, but I mean, some of those bigger jobs that people thought he'd have a chance. That turns out he wasn't really in the running for it at all. The only job that I've heard his name associated with, and I don't know this that he actually. Inter- I don't think he interviewed or anything like. But I think they made a run at him was Georgia State, um, and I think he probably told him thanks, but no thanks on that. That's um, not. A substantially better job than right. Northern at this point. No, I don't think it is. A, I mean, it's a better job, but slightly. I yeah, don't but think. it's a it's a it's a mild bump. It's you, not jump. No, it's it, it, it. And they end up hiring Tennessee. It's a low major to a low major. Yeah, they end up hiring Tennessee's associate coach Rob Lanier, who's been a head coach, but basically he's gone associate coach there. I think Tony Barbie was a finalist at UK's. Yeah, that was uh, UK's the assistant coach. Tony was a, was a head coach at Auburn at one point. Um, not a good and, one. And no, and but went backwards. So I think you were at that stage for Georgia State, where that's probably the guy you're going to get is off of a major division one staff, an assistant coach that had been a head coach, maybe not a successful head coach. This is a good swing for him. I don't think that's a great move for, I wouldn't have thought that would have been a great move for John at all. No, and, and I, I think, know you're saying, I that. think yeah. he definitely right. knew that too. Um, that's why he didn't even go down there. I don't think, but um, that's really, I mean, I'm sure there were others who talked to him, but that was the only one that I was told had spoken to him. So uh, or at least wanted to speak to him. So I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting to the point where it's interesting. I mean, they might have a chance because the one thing about it is, Everyone thinks like this was the end of the window because Drew's right. leaving, but this thing's loaded right now. I mean, they are they have the best roster in the Horizon League coming back next year too. So it's not like the run's over for him. Yeah, I think the one thing is for him, it's just eventually you got to strike when the iron's really really hot, right? That 
it, it's just it's you're when you're in that situation, you're just not going to continue to have this long run of success because somebody's eventually going to pluck you. It's just when is the timing right? And sometimes the timing might be right for you. There's just nothing out there, and that what, feels like it's the case this time. What the hell have you two done to this room? It was an intercom system. It was the intercom. They were they were calling for Rick. I think. I oh, think the ghosts were calling for. I think the ghosts just called. That for was Rick. the intercom. Okay. Is, what? Toyota Camry in the parking lot. Your lights are on. Could be my car. I have a Toyota Camry, but my light. Apparently, they have. Thank you. Skinner, I think that might that, be you. That, that is me, but guess so what? The lights go off. Battery? No, I won't. my battery will not be dead. It, it turn, they turn themselves off. Are so we going to have to jump? I mean, we've I, been here for an hour. We, yeah. we've been, all good. Okay. All good. We're almost at the end of the podcast. So let yeah, me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Any final any final take for you, Chad, Brun? I'm not jumping you. No, okay. I, I'm right. not jumping you either. I've got AAA. All right. I think we're good here. All right. All good. Well, uh, Skinner's lights are on. we got to go. <laughs> exactly. I've left my lights on. Uh, thanks for being with us this year on the, on the College Basketball Podcast. We'll do some stuff periodically. I know we'll do some stuff for football, hopefully, this week with UC and the spring game coming up you and i will be uh, back together on wednesday rick and uh, continue with that so appreciate the year as well enjoyed it as always on these sunday nights in the college basketball podcast we'll keep rocking and rolling yeah i put up with you two for another year how about that it's been a pleasure was it vice versa it's on that yeah it's been it's been what three years i feel like we're four at, years i think is it three it feels four? like 20 it feels yeah, like 27 I feel, I feel like that's probably good yeah maybe that's all good all right <laughs> for chad Brennan from bearcat general make sure you take care of uh, all his work and check it out especially uh, with football season the spring season still going on and for chad or for rick brewing of Musketeer Report. I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.